my Twitter course product, I did it all in 16 hours. Like literally I started on a Friday and I released it on Monday. And this made like almost a quarter of a million dollars. And it's quite unbelievable how decoupled the input is from the output. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. In this episode, I'm joined by Daniel Vasalo, who in 2019 left his 500k job at Amazon to go indie. In the two years since he left, Daniel has started to build a portfolio of small bets, something he's become known for, making $570,000 in the process. In particular, Daniel has seen success from his info product and building his audience on Twitter, which has grown from zero to 92,000. Most recently, Daniel has been embarking on a handmade cutting board side business, or small bet as he would call it. In this episode, we talk about why he's so bullish on small bets, how Daniel was designing his life and how to grow your Twitter audience. There is also an incredible uncut hour and 30 minute version of this conversation on the Indie Feast membership, where Daniel expands on some of his thoughts on specifically how he's made the revenue over the years. You can get that at bytes.fm slash membership or click the link in the show notes. And a quick thank you to Fathom Analytics for sponsoring this episode. For the longest time, website analytics software was seriously bad and it was hard to understand, time-consuming to use, and worse, it exploited visitor data for big tech to profit. Fathom is simple website analytics that doesn't suck. It's easy to use and respectful of privacy laws with no cookies following your users around the web. They're also a bootstrap sustainable business, so I love supporting them. Yes, it might feel strange paying for analytics at first, but once you realize the real cost of free Google Analytics and realizing how easy Fathom is to use, you won't go back. You can install the lightweight code on as many websites as you want and quickly see the performance of all your sites. Head to usefathom.com slash bytes or hit the link in the show notes to give it a go. Let's get into this episode. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, James. So 500k job at Amazon. Hopefully everyone's read the article. If not, I'll put it in the show notes. In the shortest way possible, just tell me why you decided that it was the right time then. And did you have a plan to go out and place all these small bets to start with? Oh, I think I probably never really considered myself very suitable for highly structured full-time employment. I joined Amazon mostly because I felt like I was missing out back then. You know, I'm a software engineer by background. I went in with a very temporary uh, mindset initially, but that quickly changed, I must admit. So after a couple of years, things were working out really well there. I got promoted a couple of times. They kept increasing my compensation and they kept telling me how good I am and how much a bright future I have. (laughs) And I think I fell into the trap of starting to measure my life by financial expected value. Basically, I started to realize there's no way I'm going to be making more money working for myself. Until one day, I think something clicked. I looked around me and I realized that I really didn't envy anyone's lifestyle, (laughs) right? No matter how much money they were making or how much higher up they were above me. So it made me realize that I would be deluding myself if I thought that yet another promotion or another sort of bonus or another sort of bump up in compensation is going to change things. I gave my notice and I just left without anything concrete in the beginning. And at first, uh, I was going to go the typical bootstrapper route and I was going to focus on a single software as a service product called UserBase, which I launched early 2020. As I was doing this, right about six months in, I started to get the nagging feeling in my head. Mm -hmm. That's basically telling me, (laughs) are you sure? 
it's wise to put all your eggs in one basket. Like, I mean, I think it made me reevaluate the strategy, right? And this is what I realized. I don't even know how it happens. Right? It's probably my best way to maximize my odds of surviving as a self-employed person was to build a portfolio of different things. And sort of that's, that's how my new strategy sort of formed, which I'm calling building a portfolio of small bets. Like these are just very small very low ambition things that are reasonably likely to work, but I think they increase your odds of succeeding as a self-employed person. And by succeeding, I mean not failing, <laughs> like not necessarily making a ton of money or maximizing your income potential. It's literally just not going back to full-time job, basically. So Daniel, I love the idea of small bets, but sometimes I think I enjoy the idea of small bets more because I struggle with focusing on one thing. Now hear me out here. When I'm focusing on one thing, when I put all my effort into it, I feel like I make more progress. But when I've got all of these things on, I feel like I'm context switching all the time. What's your view on that? And how do you manage your time and focus between the different things that you do? Yeah, yeah. I don't really context switch a lot, actually. I think what I tend to do is I focus 100% on one thing for a couple of weeks, and then I alternate, right? So it is true, I have the same problem. Right? I think no matter how much I like to do something, there's always a point where you start to get to feel a bit demotivated to keep doing it month after month, year after year, right? I think so. the idea of having a portfolio of things actually helps with my motivation just because it allows me to alternate between things that interest me without losing sort of productivity in a way, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I like the idea of working on something 100% for for these shorter sprints. You've written about this a lot, about going from a stable to a variable income for you and the stresses that sort of come with that, which have actually helped you Mm -hmm. in some instances. How have you managed that yourself, going from that stable, regular money to its fluctuating? Yeah, in the beginning, I admit it was a bit uncomfortable, I think mostly because I was just not used to it. And I think with just more exposure to it, I think not only I became more comfortable, but I think now I'm starting to use it as a almost feedback mechanism. Like I actually think when my income starts to dip, it almost activates something in my brain. That I start thinking about new creative ways to promote my products. Sometimes I think of new product ideas. Whereas when things are good, I tend to lose that capability, right? And I actually, and then I use that opportunity to do things in my personal life, pick up a hobby or do things around the house or things like that. Yeah, I've pretty recently gone from getting a regular income to it varying. And when I see a month with less money and there are bills to pay, as you say, that activates that part of your brain where you get creative with new ideas to to make some income. I want to talk a little bit about info products and the creator economy. You've had some exceptionally successful info products. Why do you think they work so well and what led you to create your first one? Um, I think info products are very interesting, especially for this type of strategy, right? Because typically it's something you can create with a low amount of effort. And it's basically, it's a way of converting some knowledge or some experience that you have into income. And I think the, the, one of the other reasons it's working is because from the buyer's side, people have become accustomed to pay $30 to learn something basically to learn everything you know about a particular topic, right? The question you should ask yourself is, what do you have in your head, in your experience, in your, on your computer, right, that you can share with others 
that others might be willing to pay 20 bucks, 50 bucks for that, right? And take it from there. It's, yeah. By the way, it's not easy anyway. Right? There's still lots of uncertainty and unpredictability to actually find people who, who, who are interested, right? It's, it's still a business in itself. I think the nice property that it has, it at least, which is very compatible with the small bet strategy, it is, it is something that you can time box very aggressively. My Twitter course product, I did it all in 16 hours. Right? Literally, I started on a Friday and I released it on Monday. Right? And this made like almost a quarter of a million dollars. Right? It's quite unbelievable how decoupled the input is from the output. And why it was so successful, to be completely honest, I don't really know all the reasons. Right? I think this gives me an appreciation of the role of randomness in doing business. Right? It's just so hard to predict. Even if you have a very good product, you're a good marketer, you have a good audience, you have all the right ingredients, doesn't really mean anything. Th- those things help, for sure, but they're not enough. In business, you can't just say, I tick all the boxes and then I'm going to succeed. <laughs> Which brings me back to why it's important to have a portfolio, right? By the way, this is how like a book publisher works. They have a good filter, right, presumably, of who's a good author and who isn't, who has mm-hmm. a good chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they don't just put all the, their eggs in one basket, right? They choose to publish, you know, hundreds or thousands of books with the expectation that most of them will fail to make any meaningful profits. And there's going to be a few handful that are going to make all the profits. And I think the idea that in terms of trying to promote is today to do something similar for yourself as an individual, <laughs> right? Be like a venture capitalist for yourself. Right? Be like the book publisher just for yourself. What you have to do is to be even more aggressive with the filtering, what you choose to do. Right? And this is where the small bit in small bets come from. Right? You have to be very aggressive with curbing your ambition and choosing small things that are more likely to work because you don't have the luxury of scaling to thousands of attempts that you have to do maybe five things right in a year so uh, you want to have a good odds that one or two of those five to ten things is going to work and then i think once things start to work success brings with it more success there's a few things you said there that i hadn't particularly noticed or thought about which was the small in small bets often instead of thinking small bets actually taking a lot of quite big bets a lot of time consuming bets whereas you mentioned with the course that has made almost a quarter of a million only took you 16 hours can you summarize how people should approach building a twitter audience whether they're going from zero or maybe five to ten k fundamentally i think the most important thing is to build some credibility right one of the easiest way is just to document things in your life because you have ultimate credibility about your life whatever it is whether it's taking the plunge from full-time work to self-employment to freelancing for example maybe you're writing a book whether you're living as a digital nomad whether you're taking some time off whether you're building a house i think it's good to ask yourself should i be documenting some of this you don't need to document everything i don't document everything i think give a lot for free for a long time before you even ask for anything and even asking as well asking doesn't necessarily mean asking go buy my book right? but even promoting things or you know promoting your ideas and things like that i mean when you have no followers the only reason people follow you is because they think they're going to learn, gain something from you. It's very yeah. selfish, right? In a good way, I think. Right? It's, it's in the beginning, nobody cares about you. They f- choose to click the follow button because they hope that maybe in a week, in a month, in a year, they see something from you that they can use for themselves. 
So I think it's important in the beginning to think like everything you tweet or you write about is how is this going to help somebody? Mm -hmm. And helping could be both pure knowledge sharing, here's what I learned, here's everything, and sometimes just inspiration. I think that all makes a lot of sense. I'm certainly going to be implementing some of those for Twitter going forward. Now, Daniel, I want to round off this conversation by talking about something that has caught my interest over the past few weeks and months, which is you hand making cutting boards. Now, this interested me because you might have seen that I hand make these leather wallets and I'm doing it purely as a hobby where there's something special about making something in your hands. I was going through your Twitter and I saw that you started woodworking because you wanted to make a bunk bed for your kids. I'm wondering, did the bunk bed ever get made? And also, how are the cutting boards doing? No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I had some frustration. We already have a bunk bed, but it's a commercial one from Crate and Barrel, and it just doesn't fit right in the space that we have. And I was looking around to buy one, and I wasn't liking any of the ones that I was seeing like, for various reasons. And, you know, I said, I should try to build one myself. I mean, how hard can it be? <laughs> um, and uh, so I think, as you're saying, doing something with your hands and improving your environment, making something nice, beautiful, there's lots of satisfaction that's almost incomparable in making something yourself, obsessing on the quality where it matters, and knowing that you made it, right? So that, that, that I always had sort of an attraction to doing things, but never really had the time or the capacity to be doing anything on a regular basis. Long story short, it was a period where things were good from the business side. I had plenty of free time earlier this year. And I started with that project. Like basically I had no, no woodworking experience completely. I almost didn't even know what the basic tools were. I wasn't even remotely thinking about doing anything commercial with this at first, but I read a tweet actually who explained how wooden cutting boards are so much more hygienic than plastic cutting boards because they have natural antibiotic properties, they absorb water out of microorganisms and so and so forth, and which fascinated me. Later that day, I went into my workshop, I had some scrap pieces of wood and without any plans or whatever, I just glued them all together, cut them in a square, and it became quite a decent, you know, quite a nice <laughs> piece of wood. And as I was doing them, I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I tried to sell some of these? And just like you said with your leather wallet business, part of the reason was I never tried physical products, e-commerce, shipping. It was a small bet, again, like just fit perfect. And the only promotion I did so far, you know, I sold $2,600 from nine orders from a single tweet. I don't think this is going to be a viable marketing strategy long term for this type of business, like unlike the info products. So probably I'm going to be experimenting a little bit with some other marketing things that I have no experience with. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast and an indie hacker or entrepreneur people should follow. So book, definitely the Incerto series by Nassim Taleb. It's actually a collection of four books, Food by Randomness, The Black Swan, Anti-Fragile and Skin in the Game. I would go as far as I say, they completely changed my perspective about life and business in general. Podcast, I highly recommend the In the Hacker podcast by Cortland, probably very popular. I think Peter Askew at Searchbound on Twitter is the guy who sells onions on the internet. He's one of the original portfolio of small bets implementer. Daniel, thank you again for, for joining the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, James. This was fun. Thanks a lot. 
thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Daniel Vasalo. I hope it inspired you as much as it inspired me. And if you want more of this inspiration from Daniel to learn about more small bets, you can check the long hour and 30 minute uncut version of this conversation on the Indie Feast membership, which the link will be in the show notes for. And to the point about inspiration, I was genuinely inspired by this conversation and inspired into action because right after having this chat with Daniel, I launched my two hour podcast course, time boxed it, tried to do it in a weekend, ended up taking two weeks and I've since made $1,200 from that course. And if it wasn't for this conversation with Daniel, I wouldn't have done it. But that's enough rambling from me. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.